1: Hello you spectacular people. Welcome to this 10th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the Theater of the Mind. I am your host Diane and this is Denise. And on this episode, we bring you the Shanley Hotel in New York. But before we get into that, of course, we want to remind you to check out our website at historygoesbump.com. Got all kinds of things there for you to check out. The last 10 episodes are up on the front page, and we have started an archive page. If you've missed any of the earlier shows, all the archives will be up on that page as well as you can find out where you can check out our Emporium. And we do have a lot of new stuff up there as well. We've got all of our new logo stuff. We've got stuff that has the Spooktacular Crew logo on it. So if you're needing a mug maybe to hold some of those warm beverages you're going to need this winter, that's a good place to find some stuff for that. And we get a little kickback from anything that you purchase there. Speaking of warm beverages, Denise, did you hear what we have been called officially this week? I did not hear that. The state that everyone hates this week. Do you know why? Because we're awesome? <laughs> I guess because we've been having the only warm temperatures in the country. I had a friend send me a picture, Aaron, on uh, Facebook, and it shows that basically everybody's in this polar vortex, except for Florida. Everybody's blue, light blue. We're reds and oranges.
0: See, that's what I like about this state, except for I still need hot chocolate and hot beverages at night because it is chilly.
1: We do want to do some shout outs as well here on the show. We've been getting a lot of great feedback from you guys. And so, uh, first of all, I'll let Denise give out a couple of her shout outs.
0: So for the subject of the show today, the Shanley Hotel, I want to give a shout out to Harry, That I work with for suggesting the location. He said that it was extremely interesting and I might want to check it out. And so thank you so much, Harry, for the Shanley Hotel. We do want to thank Alicia for joining the Spooktacular crew. So she is the first Spooktacular crew member that has officially joined. And so it's very easy. Just go over to the Spooktacular page and join us. We'd love to have more members joining up there. And also, don't forget our first meetup. We will be doing a ghost tour in St. Augustine, Florida. That's going to be on December 6th at 8 p.m. There is a event page on the Spectacular Crew, as well as History Goes Bump on Facebook, and there is information in our newsletter. So be sure to let us know by November 22nd if you would like to join us so I can get our space reserved on the tour. One thing to know if you do want to bring one of your furry family members, this one is a dog-friendly ghost tour, so Rafiki will be joining us and as long as they're well-behaved and on a leash, the furry members may join the crew. So let us know if one of those will be coming with you as well.
1: And I think since we're doing an earlier tour, I think they're probably about 90 minutes. I'm not for sure on that one, but we're thinking about maybe doing dessert afterward as well. And there are plenty of places to stay up there Probably some of you, if you're traveling for a distance, might want to stay for an overnight. And we can kind of direct you in some ways. I know there's some Best Westerns and, and stuff like that up there.
0: Or if you have a camper tent, we will be camping. I don't know if there's still sites left, but you could um you could also get a hold of Anastasia State Park Campground.
1: We want to thank Cynthia Skidmore for all of the retweets she's been giving us on Twitter. We greatly appreciate that. She pretty much retweets almost everything I post up there, and that's fabulous want to thank Yolanda and Patty for all of the likes that you've been doing of our posts at the History Goes Bump fan page. We notice all this stuff, so thank you guys for all of your interaction. And we got an email feedback from Greg. He said, found your podcast today, Love History, The Paranormal, and St. Augustine. I'm in. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much for that feedback, Greg. And perhaps if you're somewhere in the area, you might want to join us for that visit in St. Augustine. And obviously, since we are going to be doing that ghost tour... I bet all of you are going to hear about a location that we go to on that. Speaking of which, maybe you can tell now, we are back in the studio. We're not on the road anymore. And we have some brand new equipment that hopefully is making the show flow a little better and sound better. Denise can interrupt me at will now. "Mm -hmm." I'm
0: interrupting her right now. (laughs)
1: There you go. We used to give you a little bit of, we're going to break that fourth wall that you're never supposed to break and bring in the studio with us. Everybody's talked about, wow, you have really good audio quality and everything. And they thought we had this really high-tech setup. And then Daria, one of our friends who had come up to visit us, she goes, what are you guys using? So I brought her into the office and I pointed to the little condenser mic that I had sitting on the desk. And she's like, that's it? <laughs> and I was like, yes, Denise and I are sharing one microphone and using cheap software. But and- now... We were also sharing one chair. That is true. We had a butt cheek, one butt cheek from each of us on a chair so that we could be close enough to get the microphone back and forth. And I had to do a ton of editing to get rid of the space between the sharing and all that good stuff. So hopefully everything is sounding much better. And because of this... Now I feel a lot more confident in asking people to do interviews with us because what I was doing before is actually turning the microphone towards the speakers and trying to record that way because we couldn't do any internal type of recording. And I was getting people who were getting feedback back on Skype. And so I felt kind of self-conscious about asking people to do interviews if they were going to get feedback coming back at them. So hopefully we'll be able to get some people on to uh, interview here in the future who know a little bit more than we do, because they actually are at the locations, maybe owners and, and that kind of thing, or historians. Also, Greg wanted to let us know, we've asked you guys to give us suggestions on cemeteries, and he sent us one of those as well. The Basque Bello Cemetery in Fer- I think it's Ferdinandina Beach, Florida. never been to that city, so we definitely want to check that out. If you guys have heard of any cemeteries or been to any cemeteries that you think we should check out, please let us know about those as well. And you can check out our blog about all of our cemetery trekking at wherehistorylies.blogspot.com. We've got a new one up there from one of the cemeteries we visited while we were up in Marietta, Georgia. It was actually in Roswell, the old Roswell Cemetery. If you guys get the newsletter, you can subscribe. It's Absolutely free over at the historygoesbump.com website. And uh, number two has gone out and it had the link up there for that. And it had other information as well.
0: Welcome to this moment in Identity History.
1: On the Otega coast of New Zealand's South Island, one can find some of the strangest boulders on the planet that have become tourist attractions. These very large stones look like alien life forms that have been encased in stone. These boulders can be as large as seven feet in diameter and weigh several tons. These stones are called rocky boulders, and they are created on the floor of the sea from sedimentary deposits that continue to gather in layers, much in the same way that a pearl is formed. The material that makes up the boulder is mud, fine silt, and clay that are cemented together by calcite. The Mori, the indigenous people of New Zealand, have a legend that claims that the boulders are storage devices, like eel and gourd baskets from the wreck of the Arai-Te-Uru, while a nearby rock promontory is said to be the captain of the ill-fated vessel. While the idea that a rocky outcrop is thought to be the remains of a captain is strange, the legend fits well with these giant rocks that certainly are odd.
0: Pull the covers up. That chill you feel isn't the air conditioning. (laughs) This
1: Day in History
0: On this day, November 16th in 1938, the drug lysergic acid dithylamide is invented by chemist Dr. Albert Hoffman of Sweden. This drug is better known as LSD. Dr. Hoffman was not meaning to create a hallucinogenic drug. He was doing research on a fungus that grows on a rye named argot. As we all know, penicillin was derived from fungi and the chemist was researching argot alkaloid derivatives for medicinal uses. One of the derivatives argoline is used today in treating migraines and Parkinson's disease. Dr. Hoffman did not realize that he had created LSD until five years later when he got some on his fingertips. Dr. Hoffman described the experience like this. I was affected by a remarkable restlessness combined with a slight dizziness. At home, I lay down and sank into a not unpleasant, intoxicated light condition, characterized by an extremely stimulated imagination. In a dreamlike state, with eyes closed, I found the daylight to be unpleasantly glaring. I perceived an uninterrupted stream of fantastic pictures, extraordinary shapes with intense kaleidoscope play of colors. After some two hours, this condition faded away. LSD would go on to be used in psychiatry and by the CIA in mind control projects like MK Ultra. Dr. Hoffman would go on to create magic mushrooms and other hallucinogenics.
1: You're listening to History Goes Bump! So you could see a picture there of the Shanley Hotel, Denise. Uh, what do you think about that building? It's beautiful, but it does look quite creepy. To me, it kind of looks like it has the shape of a, a big barn. And anytime I see that kind of shape, all I could think about is the Amityville Horror House. That is funny that you say that, because especially at the end of it, I was just thinking it looks like the Amityville windows. And,
0: you know, it's like, so when you said that, because I was getting ready to say your. It looks a little bit like, and then you took the words right out of my mouth.
1: (laughs) If you check out the show notes over at our blog at historygoesbump.blogspot.com, we do have a picture up there for you guys to check that out. And uh, we also are going to have a link to the main website for the Shanley Hotel there, and they have a ton of pictures that you need to check out there as well.
0: The Shanley Hotel is a beautiful inn with a long wraparound porch and a large arcing roof that reminds one of an old-fashioned barn. The hotel is painted in classic white with black shutters. The hotel boasts 35 rooms with fun names like the Rose Room, the Blue Room, the Marguerite Room, and the
1: Silent Room. (laughs) The Silent Room. I wonder how silent it is at night. Um, <laughs> I don't think that would be a good room for you to stay in, because that's something your heart you have a hard time doing. I don't like
0: silence, no. But there is more to this hotel than just the rooms. There is a hidden basement room and a former bordello. The Shanley dates back to the early 1800s, and from that time until the early 1900s, the Shanley was a favorite spot for summer vacationers. The hotel was located near the railroad, making it very convenient for travelers and the town enjoyed the hotel for some other types of quote-unquote entertainment. The Shanley was not only a place to have a drink for the upper crust, but the private gentleman club's quarters provided companionships for a price. The Shanley has seen 20 different owners come and go, experienced a variety of name changes, and even burned to the ground once. The charm of the inn is broken only by the countless reports of unexplained happenings that have led to the declaration that the Shanley is one of the most haunted hotels on the East
1: Coast. Have you noticed, Denise, as we've been doing these shows and reading a lot of information out there, pretty much everything claims to be the most haunted city, the most haunted hotel. (laughs) There's a lot of people making that claim. I have noticed that, but as we all know
0: that the most haunted place resides at Disneyland Park.
1: Here at the Magic Kingdom, they added a brand new store right next to the Haunted Mansion that carries all Haunted Mansion stuff, and it is
0: fabulous. Yes, it even has a full dish set that I offered to have Diane for us to save to get it, but she said she didn't think that that was necessary, but everything else in the store is necessary. (laughs) Christmas is coming.
1: And you thought I was the shopper. (laughs) The Shanley Hotel is located in the city of Nappanock in New York, nestled in the beautiful woods of the Shawangunk Mountains in the historic Hudson Valley. A man named Thomas Rich built the inn in 1845 and originally named the place after the city of Nappanock. His goal was to provide accommodations that had the best food and lodging, and he filled the place with the best amenities and furnishings for the time. The first name change came in 1851 when the hotel was renamed Hungerford's Hotel. And then in 1887, Adolf Wagner bought the place, and the hotel flourished under his guidance. But in 1895, the hotel burned completely to the ground after a nearby house fire spread. Not one to be discouraged, Wagner rebuilt the hotel in eight short months, but quickly sold it again, and the hotel exchanged hands repeatedly until 1906. In
0: 1906, the Shanley Hotel would take on the owner for whom it has been named until the present day. James Lewis Shanley was born in Ireland on Halloween in the year 1874. He had moved to the Hudson Valley for health reasons and was living at the hotel. He was a successful entrepreneur and he decided he wanted to own the hotel and he made some changes that caused the town to adore the man. The hotel became known for social gatherings that included card and domino tournaments and he installed a bowling alley, billiards room and a barber shop. The rich and famous visited the Shanley as well. Guests included Thomas Edison and Eleanor Roosevelt.
1: In 1910, James married Beatrice Raleigh, and when the couple returned from their honeymoon, the town threw them a parade. James and Beatrice decided to start a family, but tragedy struck three times for them as all three children Beatrice gave birth to died within their first year of life. The couple were heartbroken, but when Beatrice's sister, Esther Fogman, died after giving birth to her third child, the couple were given custody of her children. High teas and card parties continued until August 26, 1937, when James Shanley died from a heart attack.
0: Beatrice held on to the hotel until 1944, and then she sold it to Al Hazen so she could move to New York City, where she died in 1961. Hazen ran the hotel successfully until his death in 1971, and then a string of ownership left the hotel closed by 1991, and it stood vacant for a number of years, leaving it in ruins. In 2005, Salvador Nicosia bought the building, refurbished it, and the Shanley opened once again in 2007.
1: Sal originally moved to Napanoc so that he could restore a different historic building that was the homestead of Abraham Bevier, a project that took six years. The Shanley came up for sale at that time, and Sal decided he would like the new challenge. The hotel has blossomed under Sal and become a mecca for paranormal investigation.
0: Before getting into the extensive documentation of supernatural experiences at the hotel, we should touch on some of the sordid past of the hotel. James Shanley was a good man, but he also was a businessman, and Prohibition brought opportunity. We mentioned that the hotel had a secret basement room, and that room was used by James and his business partner, John Powers, to make, store, and sell bootleg liquor. The room was accessible through a trapdoor in a hall closet. Authorities raided the hotel in 1932 and put an end to the operation. There's not much information about the bordello in regards to how long it was in business or how many owners kept up that side of the business. But bordellos always seem to have hauntings connected to them. Based on evidence collected through the years by paranormal investigators and historians, the Shanley has been the site of much death through accidents, murder, and natural causes.
1: No one seemed to know, or at least it was never recorded before, that the Shanley was haunted before Sal bought the place. Sal and historian Doug Hart were celebrating the closing on the second floor of the hotel one night when they heard footsteps (laughs) coming up the main stairway. They were a bit worried that police or a neighbor were investigating why there was candlelight coming from the building. Upon investigation, they discovered no one on the stairs, and Sal checked the door, and it was still locked. Like most people, they didn't want to believe the place was haunted, so they started taking pictures and bought a video camera. Through the pictures and EVPs they captured, the men realized that there were many spirits in the place. Some were from the Victorian era, others were from the 60s, and some were downright spooky. We want to share a few of these spirits with you, and then you decide if they are the product of overactive imaginations.
0: James Shanley had built a barber shop into the hotel, and he hired a barber by the name of Peter Granger, who had a three-year-old daughter named Rosie. Rosie was playing across the road at the Hornbeak Farm when she fell into a well there, hitting her head and drowning. The frantic search for her took two hours before she was found. The distraught barber moved to Brooklyn with the rest of his family shortly after that tragedy. Rosie is said to haunt the hotel and has been caught on tape laughing and speaking softly in the Bordello area. Her bedroom had been on the second floor where the Bordello had previously been. The well has been sealed
1: by a heavy concrete slab. In 1915, a six-year-old boy who lived in the house next to the hotel was hit by a car that was backing out of the alley between the house and hotel. A spirit named Jonathan that haunts the third floor claims to be this boy.
0: We mentioned earlier that Beatrice Shanley's sister, Esther, had died. She'd lived at the hotel and died from influenza in 1918. Her spirit is said to hang out on the second floor where her room had been, along with the sunroom that is adjacent to that room. She had been a very lonely and depressed woman when she had been alive.
1: Many people have been through the doors of the Shanley, and thus many different presences have made themselves known by opening and shutting doors, poking or pushing people, talking on tape and appearing as weird light anomalies in pictures, which can be viewed at the Shanley Hotel's official website. Music from a bygone era can be heard in the rooms as well as disembodied footsteps. The hotel has been investigated by many paranormal teams, including TV's Ghost Hunters and Ghost Lab, and was featured on My Ghost Story. Our friend, paranormal investigator Linda Zimmerman, has been to the hotel and written about it in her books as well. Entering the Bordello area leaves people feeling lightheaded with overwhelming feelings of sadness. Some guests have complained of being held down in their beds. Ooh, that would be extremely frightening to be held and not being able to get away
0: from it. Mm. Uh. James Shanley was born on Halloween, so the hotel hosts a birthday bash every Halloween. Although renovations continue, the Shanley Hotel is open for business and overnight stays include breakfast. The beauty of the area and the Quaint Historic Hotel are very inviting. So would you want to book your stay at the Shanley? Might you get awakened from your sleep by something going bump in the night? Is the Shanley Hotel haunted? That is for you to decide.
1: You know, it's amazing. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was about a place called the Whispers Estate, I believe. And this place sounds completely terrifying with all the stuff they have going on there. But... They were talking to the guy who owned the place and a couple of paranormal investigators. They were discussing how there are a lot of these bed and breakfasts that are you know, considered haunted. And St. Augustine is one of them that has a lot of them there. And one of the things that one of the guys had pointed out was that a lot of places are making that claim now because it actually raises them in popularity and people wanting to book their their rooms there, which to me seems... Uh, That's definitely different because you would think most of the time you didn't talk about places being haunted and you wouldn't want people to know. So true. That used to be the big
0: secret. Like, don't let them know of anything weird going on because, you know, nobody would touch their place with a 10 foot pole. And now it's like it's haunted and then you can't get a room there for the next, you know, 10
1: years. Exactly. It's amazing. It's basically haunting tourism. It's become the thing. And, you know, we've mentioned on the show before, we love to do the ghost tours, and we have never. I mean, if you think when we did our ghost tour in Marietta, it's a Sunday night, it's in November. It was cold out. So you would think we're going to be the only two crazy people who book this thing. And the reason why we did it is because that's the only night we had to do it. And we had a large group of people. It was amazing. Absolutely. And
0: in every tour we've ever gone on, there's been a group of people. So we've never
1: just been solo. The only ones out there wanting to see, you know, about these ghost tours. Obviously, we had a couple of children ghosts in this one. Again, we had Rosie and Jonathan. And I always wonder about, you know, what. What is that? Because, you know, we still continue to maintain that I just don't believe that children would be left here in that kind of a condition. And so it just really makes you wonder if a lot of this is not some kind of residual, or again, I still play around with that whole idea of are, are we somehow, are these places located in some kind of interdimensional vortex where not only is it easier for these spirits to go back and forth, But is this some kind of a time lock where people are feeling or experiencing presences that think that they're still in the present day? Because there's almost like a time slip or something, and that's why there's this continual playing of this tape
0: it's interesting that you would talk about that like different dimension thing because i had just asked a friend of mine lawrence at work this week or we were talking about the podcast and stuff and and he was just saying that he thought that since everything is like energy and and there that ghosts ourselves you know everything is is made up of of energy and so he was thinking that there is like almost a parallel thing that you know and every so often we can see that back and forth and i i shared with him your ideas of it maybe being a parallel universe but he was just saying that that energy is left here and and stuff I'll have to get him to go into it a little bit more maybe maybe I could even get him to come on the show and talk about it or record it for me but he had his own ideas and it's really neat everybody I ask that question too has an idea of what they think they are but it's funny how few people say that they don't think that there's anything out there. Even our skeptic on the tour.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it came out when we because I only played a few excerpts from the tour. Because, I mean, obviously, we want to make sure that people go on tours. And yeah, I don't want to be pulling a lot of what they might consider their copyrighted material or whatever. Even though, I mean, it's just them doing it off the cuff, so it's not really copyrighted. But uh, we did have a guy who was on the tour, and it was kind of fun. I kind of busted him because... The lady had asked, you know, who believes in ghosts? And everybody raised their hand except for uh, the young man who was with us, who was about 12 or 13, and then another guy who was with us. And he kept talking about, I don't know if I believe in this stuff, blah, 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 blah. But every other stop, he would be like, oh, yeah, because he was from that area. I've been in there and that's really creepy. And then we'd go to somewhere else. Have you been down in that basement? It is so creepy down there. And then there would be, I think the apartments that he lives in, the courtyard is supposedly haunted. And he's like, I won't go out there because that just is creepy. And it was just, everything was creepy, creepy, creepy. And so trying-
0: so our soft-spoken, shy introvert, Diane, calls him out in front of the whole group. And she's like, well, for, for being a skeptic, you sure are creeped out by a lot of stuff. And he's like, oh, he
1: <laughs> like, was just like, wow guess she called me out <laughs> and everybody started laughing because i'm like okay well then why if you don't believe there's anything out there what's creeping you out about it it wasn't like he was like oh it's just dark or so, I'm like what's creepy See then i mean if you don't believe there's anything out there nothing should scare you and nothing should be creepy yeah so it was kind of funny but i'm like oh there goes my baby calling out the guy well i I mean and you know skepticism is a great thing to me i always consider myself to be an open-minded skeptic i don't immediately believe things but i don't immediately just think everything's a fairy tale or you know i just i don't know i i don't have a lot of patience for people who are like the militant atheists or the skeptics who think that you're just stupid or dumb or crazy for believing in things, especially because a lot of the time those people haven't had their experiences. And once you've had your first paranormal experience that you can't explain, that pretty much makes you be won over from the whole skeptic thing. We haven't decided which hotel we're going to focus on for our next show, but we are definitely going to be doing the Stanley Hotel for the show that uh, probably will be up on the 25th. It should be somewhere around Thanksgiving because my mother, the Colorado historian, is going to be actually in studio. So you know, we're going to get her on mic and have her share some of her thoughts on the Stanley Hotel. And we've been there too.
0: Absolutely. Now talking about staying at haunted places, I would totally stay at the Stanley Hotel. It's an absolutely gorgeous hotel in Estes Park, Colorado.
1: And you know, Denise, you and I, we, we never have any experiences when we go to these ghost tours or stay in haunted places or whatever. So I'm sure you and I would sleep right through the night like a couple of babies.
0: I would for sure. Now, you on the other hand, I don't know, because you wake up when you hear things. Me, on the other hand, sleep through hurricanes. What else have I slept through? Earthquakes, fire alarms.
1: So I would probably sleep through, but the ghost would probably wake you up. That's true.
0: But my point
1: was, we probably wouldn't even have the experience to begin with.
0: No, not to tempt the fates, but for some (laughs) reason, I don't... um, (laughs) they don't tend to come around me. I don't know what
1: that is. You know what's funny? <laughs> you definitely are superstitious because anytime I ever say anything like, <laughs> well, it was really cold in Marietta, so I don't know that the ghost could even make it that much colder and you're always like, "Don't challenge." <laughs> so you're like, "I'm not I'm not challenging anybody,
0: but <laughs> No, well, I mean, I try not to challenge humans, no much less the like supernatural. They can like whisk up entire winds and stuff like that. So I mean, humans can just throw a couple punches, and I know how to handle that. Wow, so you're giving
1: ghosts a lot of power there. They can whisk up winds. And
0: <laughs> Haven't you seen the movies?
1: <laughs> all right, well, we want to thank all of you for joining us for this show. Make sure you join us for our next show where we will be dealing with some haunted hotel. We're not sure which one, so it's going to be a surprise for everyone. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> da dun, da, dun, da, da, da. I guess I'll finish it. <laughs> this has been your host, Diane. And Denise. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Here at History Goes Bump, we pride ourselves on being commercial-free, and we will never charge you a subscription fee for content. Obviously, it's not free to produce the show, and research takes time. If you would like to support the show, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash historygoesbump. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month, Or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation. Click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.blogspot.com. The best support, though, is sharing the show via your social networks. We appreciate all our fans and thank you.